This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to 2024. This is episode 206 of the Laravel News Podcast. The date today is January 17th or January 18th, if you happen to be in the Upside Down. Welcome to a very special episode where we are planning to get through all of the news that we neglected over the last three weeks. And so the goal is to be through each item in the list in one minute or less. Spade run. And we've got a lot of stuff to get through today. So we are going to jump right into it. We are going with Laravel 10.35 starting now. So first things first, there is a new use directive, a number abbreviation helper, and the ability to generate a secret with artisan down and more. Let's talk about the use directive. Simon Hamp contributed this, and this is to import a PHP class into a Blade template without using raw PHP tags. So if you happen to want to use an enum inside of your Blade component, you can use the use statement to import that directly into your Blade so you can do it without having to use a fully qualified namespace. In addition, we have the number abbreviate method, which was added by J.C. Soriano. And what this does is it allows you to take a number like 1,000,000,000. And if you say abbreviate, it'll abbreviate it to be 1M. There is also a with secret option to the artisan down method. Jacob Daniel Punkel contributed this. And what this does is it generates a secret phase that can be used to bypass the maintenance mode so users don't have to define one by themselves. Lastly, we have a conditionable trait to the assertable JSON class. Kali Layla contributed this. And what this allows you to do is makes it possible to assert uh, JSON fragments based on a given conditional. So you pass a truthy statement. If that statement is true, this conditional should match. This JSON fragment should match. And if not, then it won't assert. There we have it. That is Laravel 10.35. Michael, to you. Incredible. 10.37. Sebastian Armand contributed the ability to store batch meta information in DynamoDB instead of a relational database, which can be configured in your application using uh, the configuration in your q.php file. So thanks to Sebastian, there will be documentation links for you in the show notes. Tim McDonald contributed the ability to assert a list of errors on a field using the assert invalid method. So this allows you to, instead of having to do response assert invalid for each and every field individually, you can now say assert invalid, open array, and then the key of your, your message. So email, and then an array of message strings. So thanks to Tim that. Tim that. Tim for that. James Brooks contributed an engine method when defining migration schemas, which allows you to set your database engine either as, uh, well, previously it had to be done as this engine equals. So you can now do this engine as a function call and then specify if you want to use InnoDB or, or uh or anything else in there, my ISAM, if, you, if you're feeling adventurous. Hafez Divandari contributed a get indexes and get foreign keys method that allows you to, as the names imply, get the indexes and foreign keys of a given table schema. So you can do schema, colon, colon, get indexes. This will return an array with various keys such as name, columns, type, unique, and primary, and get foreign keys will do a similar thing, returning name, columns, foreign schema, foreign table, foreign columns, on update, and on delete. Whew. Heaps of stuff in that release. Links will be in the show notes. 
10.40. Here we go, folks. We're not slowing down now. There is now a number clamp method that was contributed by James Brooks, a Laravel team member. What this allows you to do is it allows you to specify a minimum and a maximum and a number to restrict a given number between two other numbers. It's probably best illustrated with some examples, which you can find in the show notes here. Uh, but it looks interesting. So we'll say that if it's something you think you might need, uh, and I'm not doing a great job explaining, but if I take the time to do so, I'm going to miss my one minute mark. So we're just going to say number (laughs) clamp method was added. The session accept method was added. This allows you to retrieve all session data except a specified array of key items. Volodya Kurdishkian contributed that one. The schema builder is now macroable. Kevin Bowie added the macroable trait to the schema builder, allows you to define custom methods for the schema builder. If you've used macroable traits before, you know what this is. So it allows you to define your own custom methods on that class now. Uh, we also have a test assertion for empty views now. So you can now assert a view is empty. This was contributed by Dwight Watson. Uh, and that's just as it sounds. It asserts a view is empty. We now have dark mode support for Tailwind pagination. You also have the ability to uh, customize the asset path when using Vite inside of your Laravel project. You can do so by setting the app.asset URL inside of a service provider. Lastly, you have the ability to now assert a job count using QFake. So you can just say at the beginning of your test, Q fake. And then at the very end, you can say cute assert count, and it'll just count how many items there were and uh, make sure that that is correct. Lastly, Adam Campbell contributed an APA style title helper that formats strings according to the APA title case capitalization. So this is in the case that you wanted to have like titles of works like paper titles or uh, book titles or things like that. And so this will um, do API style capitalization on a string. That's 10.40. Michael, 10.41. 10.41. Kane De Silva contributed a threshold parameter to the number spell helper method, which sets a limit for how high numbers are spelled out. So typically, grammatically speaking, 1 through 10, you would spell out 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And then beyond that, 11, 12, you would write as the numeric values. So this allows you to set a threshold or when you would take some variable input. So you do number, colon, colon, spell, dollar, number, comma, and then the threshold. So if that that number is greater than what the threshold is, it'll be written as the numeric representation. Otherwise, it'll write it out in words. At DB Hines contributed the ability to define custom paths to use with the model prune command. This allows you to pass multiple directories to the dash dash path option of the artisan model prune command. And if you have models in various places, so instead of saying, you know, assuming that that model is going to be in app, um, you can say it's in app models or in app some other path or, or whatever else. So helpful little helper there. Frankie Jarrett contributed two methods to the pending chain class, enabling conditionally dispatching a job chain using the if and unless method. So this is similar to what we've seen in other places in the framework, the query builder being one of them where you could say user colon colon if or unless or things like that, when and and so on and so forth. So now I have the ability to do this on the bus facade for dispatching chains of jobs. Uh, Piotr Adamczyk contributed an optional base argument to the stringable to integer method, which allows you to specify a base value other than the underlying integer values default of 10. So if you're using 
um, hexadecimal data or anything like that, you can now specify that you want this to be a uh, basically a two integer. So instead of having to to wrap the string using intval um, in order to use a 16-bit, for example, output or base, you can now do this directly on the string helper. But that is it for Laravel 10.41. Okay, this is going to be a tough one to get through in one minute, but we are going to try. We are on filament 3.1. After 100 patch releases to filament version 3.0, they have finally released one of the largest major releases they've ever launched. Here's the list. Global dashboard filters. If you're in the admin panel and you want to filter a bunch of different widgets on that page uh, by a common scope, you can now add these global dashboard filters, which you can do at the top of the panel, or you can launch it in a modal to save yourself a little bit of space. There's also section header actions and repeatable builder item actions. So actions are like a first class item in filament uh, three. And so they've added a way now to add section headers to repeatable builder items. You can check out the documentation for that. Parent navigation items, they've basically added a third navigation layer on the left-hand side. So you've got a parent item, then you've got a child item, then you can have sub-child items. And so that's new in this version. Uh, CSV imports is an item that they have brought in. If you've ever built an application for any period of time, you know that handling large data sets in CSV is going to eventually become a requirement. So they've done their best to make that easier by allowing you to import a CSV and then name uh, what columns of that CSV are associated with different pieces of data inside of your application. So that looks to be a really neat one if you need that feature. They've also got a query builder. Now you can do filters inside of Filament if you want to filter down your data. But in the case that you need something more custom, you can now allow your users to actually build and query uh, their or build and save their own queries across your data, uh, which is really interesting. Very cool. Also, there is sub-resource navigation. So if you happen to be, in addition to the sidebar navigation that you have, if you are inside of a resource, you can now also have additional resource-specific navigation on that page. So that has now been added to 3.1. Distinct validation has finally landed in Filament 3.1. Uh, so you can make sure that you have a distinct rule that is enforced on fields like a checkbox, a list, a toggle, a radio, or a select. There's a couple honorable mentions in here as well, but we're going to skip them because we're at our one minute mark. Thank you, Alex Six, for writing this one up. Filament 3.2 next. Uh, only 15 days into January at the time of writing of this article, but Filament version 3.2 released. We'll have a link to the full changelog in the show notes, but at a high level, there is a new CSV slash Excel export action that allows you to select which columns you would like to export into your CSV file. There is the notion of clustering, which is one of the most exciting additions to Filament in version 3.2. This allows you to build on the sub-navigation feature that was added in version 3.1, where clusters are a hierarchical structure within Filament's panels that allow developers to group resources and custom pages together. There is a new deferred table filters feature, which is one of the most important features of the Filament tables package, the ability to quickly and easily create filters for table data. In version 3.2, table filters can now be deferred. When a table's filters are deferred, the user can click around and toggle as many features as they desire, but the actual query only gets run when the user clicks apply, which is a great way to prevent yourself from paddling your database unexpectedly. There is an unsaved changes alert where we've all been there. We've been 90% of the way through a long and complex form when you accidentally navigate away from the page and wipe out all of that hard work. And in version 3.2 of Filament, this no longer happens. 
There's a toggle buttons component. There's the ability for grouped table column headers. There's revealable password fields. So on mobile devices, you know, to make sure that you haven't mistyped something, you can tap the little eye and it'll show you what you've typed in there to make sure you've got what you expected. There's a key value entry info list component. There's a split form layout component. There is enum descriptions, sidebar centering UI tweaks, and more. Again, thanks to Alex6 and the Filament team are doing some cool and exciting things in their space. I saw that James Brooks's cache dashboard is using Filament as well. So lots of cool activity and usage happening in that space. Check it out if you are looking for not just an admin panel, but something that you can use to build out user-facing components of your application as well. Absolutely. We're going to move on to the news section. And the first item in here is Heroicons Micro. So if you've not used Heroicons before, I would highly encourage you to do so. You can find them at Heroicons.com, I believe. Tailwind Labs introduced Heroicons Micro this week as a part of the existing Heroicons set. And this includes 288 new icons that were specifically crafted for high-density interfaces. So instead of scaling down those existing icons that we have, each icon is instead meticulously redrawn from scratch for the optimal size of 16 by 16. So there's these intricate details that make these 16 by 16 mini icons superior to just scaling down uh, the mini set, such as the square bottom of the user icon, the thinner adjustments icon, and fewer cells inside of the micro spreadsheet icon than the other sizes. So you can see all of those Heroicon micro icons on the official website. They're also available via the Heroicon's Figma file if you'd like to mock them up in your favorite uh, visual editor. And they're included with the Heroicon's React and View packages as well. Tinkerwell version 4 has been released with a headline feature being the new detail dive view, which provides you with a table mode, a mailable preview, an object graph. Rather than just dumping everything out into one block, you can see everything into distinct bits and pieces, much more easier to consume, much more useful if you are wanting to return results from the database, you get the tabular view instead of just the, the exported collection. So check that out. There's AI code generation. You can bring your own um, open AI keys for that. There's the ability to tail logs. There's the ability to create custom themes. There is a new referral program and a lot more. There's customizable shortcuts, remote Docker support, reorganized settings, a Zen mode, improved code completion, a new theme selector and background updates. If you've ever been... Uh, caught out with the Tinkerwell update, you open it up and it wants to update and you click the thing and you've got to sit there and wait while it downloads. Think of the past. Quick and easy background updates are here. If you have Tinkerwell and you haven't updated to version 4, check it out the next time you open the app. If you haven't used Tinkerwell before, I recommend checking it out. It is a fantastic tool and it got even better. So tinkerwell.app, check it out. Awesome. We've got some um, rumors floating around about Laravel Reverb, Reverb, excuse me. So Taylor talked about this on December 15th, teased a little tweet out. And so the question is, what is Laravel Reverb? Could it be related to, related to Laravel Pulse? Is it something else? Uh, the Reddit Laravel thread had some guesses. Uh, my personal thought is that it has to do with Frank and PHP, which we'll talk a little bit later. I think this is a spiritual successor to Echo, which used Pusher. And we'll instead use server sent events uh, from Frank and PHP. And I think it'll be a similar um, experience for those of us who use something like Echo with Pusher. That's my guess is it'll be something like that server sent events, but Echo-esque on the front end. So 
It's all a guessing game at this point, but it's fun to try and figure that out. So there you have it. There's my guess. Yeah, it's, uh, it'd be interesting to see what 2024 brings for Laravel and the team. I listened to the latest Laravel podcast yesterday, and Taylor was saying they're looking to beef up the team over this year because they've got a lot of projects on the go and lots of things that they want to work on. So I'm excited to see what they bring forth for us. Uh, the really next, crazy. the next piece here, I'm gonna. It's two different articles. I'm gonna do it in two pieces combined. The first is Frank and PHP just hit a significant milestone this week uh, at the time of this writing. So the end of December reached version one release. It is a modern PHP application server that is written in Go. It gives you a production grade PHP server with just one command. It has native support for Symfony, Laravel, WordPress, and more. It is easy to deploy. It packages your PHP application as a standalone self-executable binary, runs only one service, no more separate PHP FPM and Nginx. It's extensible, compatible with PHP 8.2 and most extensions and all caddy modules. There is a worker mode, a real-time event sent to the browser as JavaScript events. You've got Z standard and gzip compression, structured logging. Uh, it's using Prome- uh, sorry, it's using caddy as the application server or the web server rather than nginx and it provides built-in prometheus metrics as native support for https http2 and http3 automatic https certificates and renewals graceful releases allow you to deploy apps with zero downtime and support for early hints there is more details about this here but the the big exciting feature is that laravel octane also has support for franken php this increases your application's performance by serving your application using high-powered applications like open source. Sorry, Octane increases your application's performance by serving your application using high-powered application servers. Previously, open source, Swool, and Roadrunner. And as of December 19th, it will also support Franken PHP. Uh, Nuno Maduro did the release for this and showed that there are significant performance improvements when using Franken PHP. So if you're looking for performance gains, fast response times, easy deployment, check this one out. It's going to be, and it's super easy to use. You install Octane, you tell it you want to use Franken PHP, it'll install all the necessary extensions and binaries, and you are good to go. Check it out. It will probably become a Forge native feature at some point in the year. Very nice. Okay, we're going to talk about Alpine a little bit here. Alpine adds a new build to work with content security policies. So Caleb Porzio announced this not too long ago. In order for Alpine to be able to execute plain strings from HTML attributes as JavaScript expressions, for example, on an Xon click, it needs to be able to rely on utilities that violate the unsafe eval content security policy that some applications have to enforce for security purposes. So to accommodate environments where CSPs are necessary, Alpine is now offering an alternative build that doesn't violate that unsafe eval. Instead, it has like this more restrictive syntax. So one thing to note with this new build is you must use alpine.data. Since Alpine can no longer interpret strings as plain JavaScript, it has to parse those things and then construct JavaScript functions from them manually. So because of that limitation, you have to use Alpine data to register those X data objects. Uh, so that they can reference properties and methods uh, from it by key only. Uh, this is available via the CDN or via your normal NPM install, alpine.js slash CSP. There's official documentation for this and complete details, of course, in the show notes. Um, when asked about LiveWire support for this also, Caleb said that it's not yet available because there's one or two places where LiveWire relies on eval. Um, so still not there yet on that part, but maybe in the future we shall see. Excellent. All right. I have three items that I'm going to take right off your plate here. These are all Laravel 
events, in-person events. The first up, Laracon EU in Amsterdam 2024 is happening on the 5th and 6th of February. So just a few short weeks away. Let me double check those dates. Yes, the 5th and 6th of February in Amsterdam. Fantastic lineup. Christoph Rumpel, Daniel Colborn, Freik van der Herden, Jess Archer, Kevin Douglas, uh, Marcel Passio, Rissa Jackson, Shruti Belasa, Thomas Vortruba, and many, many more. Big lineup. Fantastic looking venue. Very excited. For the first time, Laravel Live Denmark is a two-day event in Copenhagen, Denmark on August the 22nd and 23rd. They have put up their tickets at the moment. You can grab your early bird tickets uh, online for 500 euros, limited quantity, and the regular ticket price will be 620 euros. Speakers are to be announced, but be sure to sign up for the event and stay in the loop. Congratulations to the team behind Laravel Denmark. I'm sure you're going to do a fantastic job. And lastly, Taylor announced that Laracon US is coming back uh, for 2024. Of course, it will be in Dallas, Texas on August the 27th and 28th at the factory in Deep Elam, Dallas, Texas. Currently announced speakers are Taylor Otwell, the Primogen, Calaposio, Nuno Madora, and more will be announced very soon. If you are interested in speaking, be sure to submit a talk. If you're wanting to sponsor, do that as well. You can go to laracon.us for all the details. Sign up to the mailing list. I think Taylor said there was 600 people on that wait list or that mailing list within the first 24 hours. So if you want to go, get on the list. Tickets, I think, will be available in the next few weeks, but keep your eyes peeled on your inbox. Let's transition over to packages. So the first one we've got is written up by our fearless leader. Uh, well, actually, it's written by everybody's favorite human, Paul Redmond, but there's a video made by our fearless leader, Mr. Eric Barnes. This is about accessing your database from right inside your VS code. So DevDB is a lightweight VS code extension, and it provides a database GUI client uh, to display that data and schema details directly in your editor. So it supports SQLite, MySQL, Postgres, or Postgres, uh, and includes a zero config option where the extension will auto detect the database that's being used. And this is helpful because you configure the database via the env file, and then the dev db automatically knows how to connect to that instead of having to configure it in the separate database tool. You can also configure it manually if you care to, uh, which you they can then uh, put into version control for easy local setup. Convenient feature for Laravel specifically is navigating from a model to the model's database content via a code lens view table. Uh, so this is available in the Visual Studio Marketplace, or you can install it inside of VS Code via the extensions by searching for DevDB. Thanks for writing that one up. Thanks for the video, Eric. Love it. Eric's doing a lot more video content this year, so keep your eyes peeled on the Laravel News YouTube channel. Easily manage temporary files in Laravel. Author of this, Paul Redmond, recently had a queue job that needed to temporarily download a file to the server, process it, and finally clean up the temporary directory, which is not difficult in PHP, and you might have... Um, started with file pool contents into a temp file and then file get contents to get it back out again. Um, to make it more cross-platform compatible, perhaps you'd use PHP's built-in sysget tempter. So if you didn't know if you were going to be running on Windows or Linux or you know potentially deploying to multiple places. This is all fine. However, Sparsy has a simple but effective... Of course, Sparsy has a simple but effective package that nicely cleans up the boilerplate code with a small package called Sparsy Temporary Directory. The package is one class and two exception classes and provides a nice object-oriented interface for creating and managing temporary files. 
Um, and then you have a delete when destroyed method that you can call at the end of your processing, which will remove the directory using the object's destruct method. So you don't have to worry about cleaning up afterward. Uh, the underscore underscore destruct magic method is a wonderful thing that you can leverage to do all kinds of weird and wonderful and creative things in your classes. I won't tell you about it now, but you can check it out. Awesome. We have got uh, the ability to gain insights now into your Laravel notifications with a new package from Paragraphs. So when Laravel introduced notifications back in 2016, all of us started sending notifications with joy and glee. The chances are by now you have lots of these notifications classes and you've been sending lots of emails and texts via uh, that method. It would be really nice, though, if we had something that allowed us to be able to view all these notifications that we have sent and when we sent them and what was the content of the text message or the email when we sent that, how many did I send in the last 30 days, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the point is notifications are an important part of your product. And it's it's how we tell our customers what has happened, what to expect next, et cetera, et cetera. So it'd be mm-hmm. really great to be able to inspect those things. So this new package is set to help you do that. The ability or the uh, way you do this is just compose a require paragraph slash Laravel notifications. That's it. The package auto registers itself, hooks into the notification rendering process. And then if you send any notifications in your Laravel app, you should now be able to see little files popping up in the storage app slash comms folder. Now the data is being collected. You can send it to the paragraph dashboard from time to time. And then you can go view that from inside that, which will allow you to see a nice little dashboard where you can see all the little notifications who the recipient was, what channel it was sent through, when it was sent, the status of that, and then you can view the notification itself. So very cool. Uh, You can also check the open rate and cost analysis and um, see how that's going. So that's it. Pretty cool stuff. You can check that out in the show notes. Self-healing URLs in Laravel is something that was spoken about uh, a couple of times. I think Luke Downing mentioned it at some point. Aaron Francis shared an awesome video demonstrating how to make self-healing URLs with Laravel. And without surprise, the multiple packages, oh, the packages followed the video. I don't, I think Aaron did this because he noticed it with um, amazon.com URLs. But the packages have a similar goal. It allows you to change your model's route slug at will or only partially match URL and never have to worry about SEO indexing when the slug changes because both packages work by adding a trait to a model which handles identifying the model via route model binding. And it allows you to kind of put an integer and then some arbitrary slug where part of that string is actually not relevant to the URL. So it will handle the redirects and all of that kind of stuff for you. Um, you can do it using different different identifier types so you can use hyphens or you can use some other manner of demarcation there. But check it out. It's an interesting thing. And it's uh, the, the video is good, of course. Aaron Francis always putting out beautiful videos and amazing that we had a couple of packages come out very quickly on the back of it. So the community working in sync there. Awesome. Got another package here called PayPocket. So this allows you to manage virtual wallets in Laravel with PayPocket. So we're not talking about, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies or things like that. Really, what we're talking about is the ability for Laravel to offer payment capabilities and logging. It doesn't handle payments from a payment platform. It instead just offers the ability to concept and handle virtual money, right? So let's say you wanted to allow a user to earn virtual money in their wallet or add a balance to their account. Think like V-Bucks, right? Fortnite V-Bucks. Um, so this is the example of exchanging real currency in a virtual wallet that you can spend in the game's store. You can track wallets via models using this package's manages wallet trait. And this will allow you then to do deposits, to make payments, 
It also supports creating and depositing currency into multiple wallets. It tracks those transactions in and out of a user's wallet via the wallet logs database table. And you can also get the individual balances of each wallet by simply calling get wallet balance by type and then specifying what wallet you're asking about. You can learn more about the package, of course, in the instructions and I'm sorry, in the show notes uh, and installation instructions in the source code on GitHub. Thanks so much for writing that up, Paul. Next up, we have a package called PHP2JS, which is a Laravel package that provides an opinionated way to standardize the process of sharing data between PHP and JavaScript. There are many approaches to sharing data between the front and back end, so this package might not be for everyone, but it could offer you a simple solution for sharing data in a consistent way. This allows you to essentially say, return view uh, arrow with in a way that you would normally do, and then, and then arrow to JS, and this will inject all of these values into your view using um, a let, like define all the variables for you at the top of the file automatically. So you don't have to do that to handle assignment. Um, it gives you ability to specify only specific ones in your file and things like that. The package also offers a tool called Quick Request, which simplifies making API requests from JavaScript to a Laravel backend. So it's kind of like this shimmy in-between layer for something like Alpine or Livewire and things like that. But definitely check it out if there's something of interest to you. We'll have links to it in the show notes. It's funny because Jeffrey Way made something like that probably eight years ago, nine years ago. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it was like Laravel or no, not Laravel, Laracast's JS to or PHP to JS. I think that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. I think it actually literally called almost the exact same thing. But what's old is new again. Pretty cool. Thank that's you right. for putting that one up. Okay. Database status card for Laravel Pulse. If you haven't used Laravel Pulse yet, you're missing out. Uh, Of course, Livewire 3 is a requirement for it, which might be why some of us haven't adopted it yet, but we're using it in a couple applications, and it is amazing. One of the things that it offers is the ability to create your own status cards inside of it. And so developer Jamie Schouten created a neat Laravel Pulse card, which will allow you to monitor your database status uh, to provide key metrics, things like active threads, connections, etc., uh, so the card configuration supports uh, configuring multiple databases, and you can configure which types of data to include. Here are some of the things you could include. Connections, threads connected, threads running, InnoDB buffer pool reads, read requests, pages total, max use connections, threads connected, threads running, buffer pool, blah, 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 etc. Lots of them, right? You can get the raw values or you can get aggregate values. Um, and so really good stuff. And you can see them right on your Pulse dashboard along with all your other items like slow queries and things like that. So very nice. Great job. And with that, folks, we are at the end of all of the items that we have not had a chance to catch you up on since the last time we did this show. And I think we came in under time. Actually, I think we actually did it. We are at 31 minutes and 49 seconds. Michael said he doubted me. And so I said, he said, I said, do you think we can do it? He said, I think I can do it. I'm not sure you can, but I think I can do it. So, Michael, this was me proving you wrong. I did it. I stuck to my minute. I made it happen. You know, you can do it, folks. You can do anything you set your mind to. That's right. Oh, new year, new me. (laughs) Yeah, that's I don't know. Hey, folks, if you liked this format, feel free to let us know. Uh, maybe we'll do more of these in the future if we get a really heavy week and just want to make sure we get it all out. Yeah. If you have any ideas for what Laravel Reverb is, we'd love to hear those as well. We would. We would indeed. Indeed. Hey, folks, this was episode 206. You can find show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com. Is that right? 
Yes. Podcast.laravel-news.com slash 206. Uh, if you like the show, please rate it up on your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be amazing. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter at Jacob and at Michael Dorindo or at Laravel News. Until then, folks, in two weeks, we'll see you again. Bye-bye. Bye, bro.